episode 130, Life Insurance Options. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we're Trevor Jackson's perspective. Join 2017 and 2018 Podcast Awards nominated host as we get a behind the curtain look at all types of doctors and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. How's everybody doing? Recharged, ready for the rest of the summer. Remember, sometimes summer can be uh, slow, but you don't have to be that way. If you planned ahead, you could have had events scheduled for the summer, maybe on the weekends, health fairs, all these events to where you actually are uh, staying busy, keeping on top of that new patient marketing plan. And if you say, man, it's already too late for me. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Move on over to say October or December and start planning now for what can you do then. Start checking websites and you'll be able to find community calendars, Christmas events, Halloween could be a promotion. So just look ahead a few months and try to plan something. That way you can stay on top of the uh, new patient cycles. Want to throw out there, haven't mentioned this in a while. Today's Choice is Tomorrow's Health book. We're talking lessons from China, blueprints for cardio and weightlifting because I used to not enjoy those things and now I do. Basics about actually finances and things. We're already talking about that. Sticking to a budget, making a budget, intermittent fasting, some definitely some strength exercises and stretches that you should be doing or could be doing to keep yourself strong. I had a lot of fun writing this book, so check it out. Doctorsperspective.net slash TCTH or you can get it on Amazon at slash my book. Okay. Uh, one thing fun about living in China is I can actually source products easier. Pretty much anything you can imagine that you would find in one of those magazines for promotional items. I can find that here. I work out. I like to wear those dry fit, fast, moisture wicking type of material. And I've even found some that are polo style that actually look good, feel good, and work. And so I was like, man, they probably have those things. Like, you know, when I have a clinic, I can probably get like, you know, might have to order 300 of them. But um, really inexpensive They'll do the printing for you as well, ship it over, and you can get a shirt for like six bucks versus the way it usually costs, which is more. And not just some old dumb beefy tee that's like uncomfortable, but actually like a quality polyester or a blend or whatever. Like if you want, you know, nice tri-blend, they have those. If you want like a workout shirt, they have those. So like this week I got a couple of samples in. And tell you what, if you're into the clothing manufacturing companies, whoo-wee. The front's one kind, and then in the back of the shirt, there's bigger holes. What would that look like throughout the whole shirt? You know, what does it cost to have the front and then the back different? All kinds of different variables. Way more than I expected to have to deal with. I was just like, hey, do you have these shirts with this material already done? All we do is do some silk screen and mail them. And it's turning out to be more work than that. So can imagine if someone wanted to produce an entire clothing line, the amount of details. Uh, it's pretty wild. That's neither here nor there. Just if you're interested in that kind of stuff, um, some of the mini-sode episodes talk about like Amazon and marketing ideas and you know, the shock and all box that some people talk about. Real quick, shock and all box would be new patient comes in, maybe they come in, they spend a certain amount of money or they are there like a couple times and then you mail them a box. It might have a shirt, it might have a mug, a water bottle, you know, all branded, you know, quality stuff where they'd actually want to use them, you know, stuff like that. Uh, maybe if you had a book, you can put your book in there. And books are real inexpensive to print if they're black and white. You know, it's like a big business card and hopefully has uh, what you believe in think about it you know they're not always up to date like you might have changed your position on certain things but to get them reprinted would be tough so you just make a note of that to somebody if you really cared uh put a little letter on top put that in the mail my goodness can you imagine getting a box in the mail randomly from your chiropractor or dentist just saying hey thanks welcome to the clinic family all right that's enough trevor jackson today we're talking about life insurance we covered it a little bit on the last episode but we're going to go deeper because there's these things called be your own banker 
infinite banking, tax-free retirement. Generically, the idea is that you buy like a whole life or universal life, universal index, and you can use it for a retirement plan. Like you put more money than you have to in it each month, and then later on you can like buy a car and just pay yourself back. So you're acting like the bank at an interest rate. But then the, the money that's in there that's growing each year, because it's tied to some kind of market, it keeps growing, even though you borrow some from it. You just got to pay it back. And it's a little more complicated than that. Obviously, that's why this whole show is based on this. But we'll discuss all the stuff that you would want to know, how to use it as a retirement supplement, but also just sort of like as part of your retirement plan, like diversifying your tax buckets. Uh, we'll go through what a million-dollar baby plan is. It's kind of a cool idea. Break down what family banking is, super funding, living benefits. That's a really cool thing. You know, if you had a stroke, you, know, you can start tapping into your, your life insurance before you actually die. So real cool stuff. Uh, we've got the national vice president of this one company on, Trevor. So all the show notes can be found at doctorsperspective.net slash 130. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China in the Denver metro Colorado area. Today on the show, we're going to continue the financial series. We're going to talk about something that uh, it's hard to get your head around sometimes, at least for me. And his backstory real quick, he was in health insurance. He was really knocking it out of the park. And I think eventually you get to the point where you like need a new, a new adventure. And so he started in 2011 with this place called Five Rings Financial. And since then, he is now the national vice president, travels all over the country, speaking about uh, the basics of money, investments, and all those things that we probably should learn in school, but we didn't. So please welcome to the show, Trevor Jackson. Hey, thanks for having me, man. So good to see you again. Uh, it'll come out at some point. We knew each other way back in Colorado, and it's just been fun, you know, 10 years later or whatever, you start to see someone else's, you know, somebody has a kid, they become the national vice president, and you're like, man, <laughs> I, knew this, I knew this guy when he was nothing. This is crazy. Right. <laughs> just peddling years. health insurance. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I don't know if it was a money thing, but people who sell health insurance seem to always get out of it after a while because I guess that's what I've noticed, that the commissions aren't quite there for the amount of work that it takes yeah. I don't know if that's what your case or not. Absolutely. You know, when I first got into, when I got into health insurance, I was straight out of college. Back then, you know, the commission rates on selling health insurance were, were pretty dang high. And so you could, you could actually make a living selling health insurance. And so, mm. um, so that's why I was in it. And then I think when you and I, you know, met, um, I was kind of on my way out. They'd cut commissions two or three different times. And I was looking for, for a new industry to kind of get into. I'd looked at, you know, real estate, uh, a bunch of different other uh, industries and just kind of decided on the financial industry. I've always been pretty uh, interested in money like most people are, but found our company and been with them ever since. So, Of all the companies, is there like an angle that they have that's kind of uh, unique before we jump into the meat of this interview? Sure. Yeah. You know, um, they are they are pretty unique in the fact that they're actually they're sincere about educating people about money. You know, I feel like it's, it's the cliche thing nowadays for financial companies to say, Oh, we're all about education, educating our clients, but then they don't really follow through on it too well. So our company, we do these educational workshops where, you know, we invite people in for a free dinner, just like a lot of other financial companies do. But with ours, we don't sell any product. It's purely educational. So nobody feels pressured to buy anything. You know, we make it fun and entertaining so people have a great time. And uh, in, we teach things at a third grade level so people understand instead of trying to speak over everybody's head. And so I really like that about them. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's cool because you know there's some professions like chiropractic, for instance. We'll do lunch and learns as well, but there's definitely mm-hmm. a, a sales pitch at the end because why would you be having dinner with a chiropractor? I mean, everybody right. knows why you're there, but it's, at least you don't have to feel so pressured. Like, all right, so I'm going to come to your house tomorrow, right at five o'clock. We're going to continue this <laughs> this steak dinner. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, and and that's the big thing. I feel like the financial industry kind of has that. Um, negative stereotype that, Hey, I'm going to talk over your head so that you don't understand. I look smart and just give me your money and I'll figure it out. Right. Um, and so people just don't like that just by us not trying to sell them anything. They actually do want to offer their business to us and you know, we don't have to pressure them for it. So, and like last week's episode, if you listen to that long, it was like an hour and a half. It was so long. But oh, wow. Yeah, we covered like so many different things. So if you don't know any of the terms that we end up talking about today, you can check it out. He can explain it. But there's just so much that you can just confuse people with and I think bamboozle them. And uh, then you don't know what you're buying at the end of the day. Yeah. Which is, we probably could have spent a lot more time last week on life insurance, but I knew you were coming up. And the program that we're talking about, there's different names for it. I had read a book called Be Your Own Banker. I think that was maybe the original idea of this. Then there was infinite banking, which is same thing, different spin. And then now yours is a little bit different completely because yours is kind of called tax-free retirement. Mm-hmm. And from what I had heard, it was always these very specific universal life policies. And that's what you would use. You'd overfund those. You'd borrow money from it. But because you bought so much, the value was always there. And it was tied to the stock market and all this. And uh, I'm doing a pretty bad job here of explaining it. And people getting confused. <laughs> so... Um, if you know what I'm talking about, let's let's just jump in. What am I talking about and your view on it and maybe why you chose to do not the life insurance policy part and uh, explain what we're talking about. Because this is the, the audience is doctors, maybe discretionary income, maybe have enough money to where this program can work. Because I always felt you need to have a certain level of income to make this thing really work. Like you couldn't do it on like 40 grand. I could be wrong. But well, yeah, and that's a kind of a common misconception is we, we really do work with everybody. But yeah, another reason why I like the company I work with is just because we uh, specifically work with middle Americans. Now, we work with everybody, but that's who we really try to target because, you know, all the wealthy have 100 financial advisors uh, knocking down their door every single day. But nobody's going to average Joe's door and trying to get their business. So that's why I try and work with them a little bit more. Uh, but as far as the life insurance stuff goes, yeah, there's a bunch of different names that it goes by. So like you said, be your own banker, infinite banking, tax-free retirement. Uh, now the be your own, I, I really think that the, the only difference between all of them is just what the goal of the money is. So be your own banker and infinite banking that came around basically to start a permanent life insurance policy. And they traditionally used whole life and to grow a significant amount of cash value in it so that you could potentially be your own banker, right? So that if you needed to purchase, let's say, a a car five or 10 years down the road, instead of borrowing money from a bank, you could borrow it from your own life insurance policy, pay for that car, and then you just pay yourself back instead of having to pay a bank. And then hopefully you're paying a lower interest rate on it, which is then, you know, making you more money on that investment. Um, Now, tax-free retirement, we focus on a little bit different piece, which is the goal of the tax-free retirement is not necessarily to purchase things. Now, you still have that ability, but it's more to set up this uh, as a retirement supplement. So a lot of people don't know, like, why why would you want to build um, a cash reserve inside of a life insurance policy? Well, it grows a lot like a Roth IRA. So you're putting tax dollars into it. It grows tax deferred, 
And then when you start to take it out in retirement, it's all going to come out tax free. And so every financial advisor, I mean, I don't care what show you listen to on the radio, on TV, they always say, hey, fully fund your Roth. Right. Right. And the re- and the reason is, is because tax rates are so low right now. If you're thinking long term and you know you have to pay taxes at some point, you'd rather pay them when tax rates are low than probably in the future, 20 or 30 years down down the road when tax rates might go up 10, 20, 30 percent. Especially the way, not to go political, but the way 2020 election series is starting to pan out, it seems like there's not a sustainable way to keep our taxes at the same level that we're at right now. Well, and just think of, and you're right, not to get political, but think of, uh, you know, everything everyone wants the government to pay for nowadays. Um, and then also with uh, the national debt that we have, there's only one way that we're going to pay that back. And that's through either actually having a budget, which <laughs> probably won't happen. It seems like nobody wants to do that, um, which leaves us with increasing taxes. So I, I, I would put my money on, on tax rates going up in the future for sure. And it's been 20 years already since we've been out of high school and all this kind of stuff. And we've already seen some things change that we probably never expected to see happen. Our parents, you can't use this water faucet. Like, Mm -hmm. they were blown their mind. Like, oh, in 50 years, you really think it's going to be like that? You're like, yeah, it's going to be completely different. So to think when we're that age, what in the world could be, what would America be is just unheard of. Like, we don't even know. Yeah. But uh so anyway, that's why I like the idea. I, I love Roth IRAs. I'm kind of in that camp where it's like, look, I use them. I max them out as much as I can. And then because uh, later on, it's just tax-free. You know? Tax-free. Absolutely. Yeah. Nobody likes taxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's the next piece? So I think the other question that you had asked is, you know, what kind of vehicle do you use? Do you use whole life insurance? Or you had talked about just a second ago, universal life. So whole life insurance, I feel like is just kind of... You know, why do people use whole life? I think it's the old way of doing it. Uh, whole life insurance has been around forever. Uh, and if you know anything about the life insurance industry, it is a pretty slowly evolving industry. I mean, they don't change a whole heck of a lot. And so I feel like most in life insurance companies, they just use whole life because it's been around forever. So that's what they know. And that's kind of what they stick with. The other types of universal life, and a lot of people don't know that, there's, you know, there's the traditional fixed, which is going to give you a, a guaranteed rate of return. Um, there's variable, which is tied to the stock market, so it's going to go up and down. You know, you could lose money in it, gain money in it. Um, and then there's also indexed, and that's the one I like the best just because it, what it does is it tracks an index like the S&P 500, for example but it has a floor and a ceiling to it. So let's say over a, over a given year, the market goes down. Well, the floor is at 0%. So worst, worst case scenario, you can't lose any money, but you also don't gain any. Uh, but then when the market goes up, you get to participate in all of that upside up to whatever the ceiling is. The company that's probably most popular that we use right now, that ceiling's at about 10.5%. So, I mean, the good. market does, yeah, exactly. So you can do up to 10.5% every single year. And then kind of preparing to come on your show here, I was looking up the numbers. So since 2011, the, the indexed uh, universal life policies have averaged 9.173% a year since, since 2011. And that's pretty much exactly what the market did. But the difference there is there's no fees to get that 9.173 other than the insurance piece. And you mentioned there was another one, the universal, they give mm-hmm. you – a rate, a guaranteed rate. Is that only like 4% or something? So you don't capture the full 
Yeah, it's about between four or five. Kind of just, again, just depends on the company. Um, and that's another reason why I'm not a fan of using whole life for tax-free retirement or something like that. It's just not very effective to, to build a lot of cash. Number one, the cost of the insurance is much more expensive than universal life insurance policies. And then it builds cash value based on dividends. Mm-hmm. And the dividends usually only pay, you know, two, three, four percent. Again, just depends on the company. Okay. I like the idea. Zero percent or up to ten and a half percent. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the market can drop. It could drop for several years. So mm-hmm. is there a benefit to having one that says, hey, it is only five percent, but it's always five percent no matter what. So even yeah, on a I'm, slow year, it's 5%. I mean, you have to really compare those. Is there like in historical data, like which one actually wins over a 30-year period? Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the, you know, every financial person will tell you, oh, hey, get in the market, right? Because if you look at the historical average of the market, it's going to average about 8%. Right. So you got to figure 8% is going to do better than 5 the guaranteed 5 You're right. But the guaranteed 5 is going to outperform it probably in the short run if you have a couple years where the market goes down. Um, but in the long run, you know, you're going to do better with, with an index more than likely, you know, if it, if the market performs the way it has in the past. Disclaimer, past performance does not make future performance possible. That's exactly right. (laughs) We're not your planner. We'll we'll put an asterisk by the end of the side of this. (laughs) The other guy, he's like, you're gonna have to read this paragraph for me. I was like, all right, just supply the paragraph. (laughs) It's like, you gotta cover it. Y'all guys are so regulated. Oh yeah. Well, and see, I'm I'm not as regulated. So what we do is again the niche of our company is we only work with these indexed or fixed accounts. So we try to be the safe money people just because, you know, there's a 100 financial advisors out there who will put your money in the market. Um and that's just kind of what makes us different. Is we won't do that. Um and we can guarantee you won't lose any money because of market performance. So And now when you're talking about indexes, like my mind goes to Vanguard, uh, iShares, those types of companies. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking that type of index. We just mean uh, like S&P 500 or there's a lot of actually indexes out there. Right. Yeah. S&P, Dow, NASDAQ, Russell, you name it. Um, yeah. So the difference is, and a lot of people do get confused on that piece is they confuse indexed fund with an indexed account. So an indexed fund is nothing more than a mutual fund that directly mimics the performance of an index. So, you know, you can buy a, an S&P 500 indexed fund. And so if the market goes up, you make money. If the market goes down, you lose money, right? And the fees on it are super low. And so those are usually a great option for people in the market. But then these indexed accounts, like I said, they've got that floor and that ceiling, but your money's not actually invested into the market. They just use the performance as an index to credit you interest. So the insurance company you bought it from, there as a company is making money off of your money by investing mm-hmm. in different things. It's just that yep. they might be making 25% in some amazing deal they have that we'll never be privy to. And they're like, yeah, we'll give you the, the, yeah. that S&P 500 9% this year, but we actually made an extra 10%. So we're still winning. So in case all these people die, we have the yeah, money to yeah. pay you guys. Hey, if they want to get risky with that money, they can. Another reason I like the indexed accounts is it's super easy to figure out what you're going to get as an individual. Uh, like I said, somebody who's not in the industry, sometimes it's hard to know you know, what the market's doing and, and how your particular portfolio is going to perform. But with these indexed accounts, you can say, hey, on you know January 1st, the S&P was at X. One year later, 
it's at Y. So that's a 10% growth. I get 10%. So again, what's the point then? Because we technically are, um, a buy, we're buying a policy, maybe half a million, you know, maybe a million. And so anytime we die between now and forever, we know mm-hmm. our family members will get a million. So why are we wanting to build this cash value underneath it? What's the point? Sure. Well, just to fund, fund retirement. You know, a lot of people have have life insurance. And kind of over the last 20 years, the the thought has kind of been, hey, buy term, invest the rest. I'm sure you've heard that. Yeah, that's what I've heard a lot. Yeah, exactly. Well, that started, what, 20 or 30 years ago, and it's kind of proven out to not work. Uh, because oh. what happened... What happened was people would buy term and they wouldn't invest anything. Oh. So now they're they're 20 or 30 years down the road, their term life insurance expires, right? They're either, well, number one, if they want to get more insurance, it's going to be just outrageously expensive or they're too sick to even get it. Um, and then they have no savings either. So with a permanent life insurance policy, number one, if you pass away too soon, great. You have the, the life insurance piece. And if you live too long is what we joke about, right? If you live too long and you get to retirement, well, great. You have a big pile of money there as well that you can supplement your retirement. So the idea is I've got my Roth IRAs. I got my 401k and 63. I'm retired, man. I'm collecting. I got Medicare going on and I'm I'm living the dream. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, I have this life insurance policy. I've got another million in there and actually just draw that down over the next 15 years. And then when I die, that million dollar policy I had is just reduced based on how much I've actually taken out. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. As long as you don't reduce, this is the part I'm curious about. There's a barrier you have to make sure you can keep it at, like maybe whatever the premium would be that month. And I'm not sure if that increases as you age or if it's locked in forever. But um, if you start buying a boat and a new mansion, all of a sudden it's gone. Everything's gone. Yeah, you could spend. Yeah, that's the other thing is you could spend it all. Now, one of the the most popular company that we use, the reason I like them so much is because they have a pension option with it. And so if you get to, you know, 60, 65, 70, whatever, and you decide that you want to retire, you could turn on a, a pension from that money that's going to be guaranteed to pay out for the rest of your life. And when you, when you die, your family still gets the rest? Yep. Yep. And then your family gets whatever's left over. How's that different than, say... You didn't have that little piece to it. Wouldn't you still have access to it and you can just set it up like, hey, just automatically withdraw 3000 a month? Yeah. Well, the difference is then there's no guarantee that it's going to be there. So oh, just to, to show you an example. So most people are used to investing. You know, most people have their 401ks for retirement, right? How long does the average 401k last somebody into retirement? I hope 20 years. Maybe I'm going to go like maybe 15. I don't know. Seven. Oh, come on. That's not good. Yep. Swear to God. Seven. And the reason is, is because we have access to all of that money. So the day we retire, we turn 65, we could take it all out. Somebody buys a new truck. Exactly. We don't reduce our lifestyles at all. We start going on trips. We start doing on all, going on all of these, you know, excursions or <laughs> buying all of these things. And so we just blow through our money so quickly, even though we're not bringing any more in. So people are retiring at 65, they're out of money at 72, they're not, they're, they're going to live until their late 80s, or early 90s, which leaves people, you know, 10, 15, 20 years uh, living on Social Security alone, which isn't nice for anybody. Wow. So uh, to get back to the point of the life insurance, so yeah, you can take it all out anytime you want, but what you are risking is that you'll run out of retirement or you'll run out of money in your retirement. The other side is if with this pension option, you can choose that and they will pay you whatever that is 
for the rest of your life guaranteed and it's still all going to be tax-free. So even if the market tanks, you know, and you don't earn another cent, they're still going to pay you that for the rest of your life. And you get to pick how much that is. Well, so based on how much you have saved, they'll give you a number and say, well, we'll pay you X amount. So, you know, at... So no lump sum payments. Like, right. I need 10 Gs. They're like, you're not getting 10 Gs. Yeah. You committed to 2000 <laughs> and that's all you're getting. Yeah, well, that, and that's the thing. So if you want the pension option, great, you can take it. And if not, you still have all that flexibility, take all the loans you want and all that. You just, that's the give and take. You give up that guaranteed security to have that forever. So that's the hard part is if you're not, if you weren't disciplined when you were 40, not spend all your money, it's going to be pretty tough when you have a, a huge amount at the end. <laughs> well, people get pretty conservative with their money once they get closer to retirement. You know, I think uh, 2008 really scared a lot of people. You know, people who retired in 2007 and then a year later had half as much money sitting in their retirement accounts. People remember that. So yeah, I remember that. Uh, people get, yeah, people get pretty conservative once they get into their you know, late 50s and 60s. Well, you know, and that's uh, people that we talk, I talked to recently, you know, they're retiring. That's something that they were planning for a long time is I don't want to have a house note. I don't really want to reduce my lifestyle because I'm retired. But they're like, yes, then you right. need to make sure you don't have all these bills. Otherwise, it's going to be a problem. You're going to have to. You're going to sell the big house, sell all the cars. You're going to, you know, do all of that. Most people aren't. <laughs> well, I, I didn't work 30 <laughs> or 40 know? years to turn around and be like a college kid when I'm 70 again. Like, what? Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't the point. That was the you're supposed to be living your life. And which is why some people say, hey, it's time to spend your money when you're younger and go vacation while your health is there. And yeah, well, and you know, this is kind of a, a new problem. Um, you know, think about your, your parents or our grandparents. They didn't have to worry about running out of money in retirement because they all had pensions. You know, they worked forever at a company. They retired and then they said, OK, well, we're going to pay you this amount for the rest of your life. OK, well, and then you made it work. Yeah. You know, you knew what your budget was and you worked with it. Well, us with our 401ks, we don't know how to budget <laughs> anymore, you know. So we get pretty irresponsible with that money and we run out of it in seven years. It's important, like you said, have the 401k. You know, a lot of us are uh, <laughs> self-employed. So, you know, whatever that is, it's... Um, What's up? Let's just umbrella term it, your 401k. Sure. So you're going to get some money from that. You're going to have a little Medicare. Hopefully you got some Roths going on and now product like what you're talking about. So you have those multiple streams of income. So when you have a bad 401k year, you're not uh, completely devastated. Yeah. Well, we talk to people all the time too. You know, everybody, everybody loves the term diversification uh, within your, within your investments, but nobody thinks of diversification as far as your tax buckets. Do you have a pile of money that's going to be taxed when you retire? And do you have money that's not going to be taxed? And you know, how do you strategically kind of take that out once you get to retirement time? And do you even have any options? So it's pretty important to you know put your money in more than one place for sure. Okay. So let's talk a little bit logistics here. If you're 26, you're getting out of uh, 26 to 30, you're starting your medical career. To me, that seems like a pretty good time to start buying some insurance. But if you're knocking on 40 and you're like, yeah, this, this sounds like a good idea. I think I still have a good 20 years left in me to to fund this, what are some of the roadblocks that you might find? Like bad health, it costs $500 a month now. Like what are we looking at? Yeah. So it's not for everybody. You definitely have to be healthy enough or healthy enough to uh, make it worth it. Like when you start or you have to stay healthy? When you start, no, you can, you can get real unhealthy <laughs> after you, after you start, if you want. Train for 30 days and get your blood work in order. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, it is life insurance. And so that's one of the caveats is you got to be healthy enough to get it. 
And the healthier you are, the faster your money grows. And so, like you said, is, you know, what's a good what's a good age for people to get started? My opinion is as early as humanly possible and to get a, you know, a permanent life insurance policy going right away if you can. And you don't have to have a ton of money to get it started. Uh, We work with people who do, you know, twenty five dollars a month into something for a whole life. Not for whole life, but the I mean, the, the what you're index, talking about, the index? yeah, the tax for retirement, really, and all of that, yeah. I thought that was the only prices you'd pay for term. Well, I mean, the death benefit's going to be smaller, but okay. you can you can do as low as twenty five dollars a month into it. And so I, I think I'm a little bit different than most other financial people that you'll hear. But the reason I'm so passionate about people getting it early is because when I was in health insurance, you know, we sold a little bit of life and we sold a lot of term. And I cannot tell you how many people uh, would call me. They're in their 50s or 60s, and they'd be saying, hey, you know, our term life insurance policy just, you know, the term's over. The price just skyrocketed. We want to cancel it, uh, but we need to get new life insurance. Okay, great. I can look at it. Well, $100,000 is $300 a month, right? Or something just astronomical, probably way more than that. And people just can't afford that. Or they might just be too sick to even get it at all. And if you think about it, you know, if you're if you're 21 or 22, that is the youngest and the healthiest that you're going to be. And if you can put some money away into a permanent life insurance policy and you're going to do it at any point in your life, that's the time to do it because it's going to save you the most money possible. So at, this, at that age, like, you know, we're parents now and we've got to look in the, in the future. Mm-hmm. You almost have to, if you're smart enough at that, at 20, can you imagine? Hey, parents, <laughs> so I want to buy this policy <laughs> yeah. that's uh, 120 bucks a month. I can't, I don't, I don't really, I'm in school. I don't really have 120 bucks a month, but this is something that I can do for the rest of my life. Maybe you can work something out with somebody to cover some of that premium until you get your, your feet wet and you're able to actually afford it long term. Sure. Like everybody talks about, I need to pay for my kid's education, but we don't really think about a gift like like that like that's kind of a cool gift to give someone you know and we do that all the time we call it a million dollar baby plan is kind of what we call it but it's the same deal it's a it's a tax-free retirement plan on a kid and we like them so much number one because you're getting them life insurance you never know what's going to happen down the road you know a lot of kids are developing some sort of condition or you know cancer or whatever even when they're kids now Obesity, 18, and they're 250 pounds. Yeah, that too. Good luck with life insurance. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, if you can if you can get them a permanent life insurance policy when they're you know one or a couple months old. I got <laughs> my son, he just turned one, and he was one week old, and he had two on him. Good night. So, yeah. And, and like I said, it's a great way to grow cash for college savings because, because number one, it all comes out tax-free, right? So you can take loans from it. It doesn't count against you on your FAFSA, so you can get student loans. And it's not uh, only used for education. So, you know, I don't know if my son's going to be, you know, responsible enough once he gets to college that I want to say, hey, I'm going to pay for all of your school. Uh, I might want to wait until he gets married and pay for a wedding with it or put a down payment on a house or or whatnot, but gives me a lot of flexibility and a lot of options to then help out my son in that case. And it doesn't necessarily have to go to a college. Okay, so there's the question. 
You got this cash value. You do it when they're like less than a year. Now you got 18 to 20 years of growth, which is a, it's a good money. That's a lot of money built in 20 years. Yeah. And you say, you know what, kiddo, this is how I decided to pay for your college education just because of what you just said instead of it. But you, when you borrow, when you take out that cash value, mm -hmm. do you have to pay it back? Now, you have the option to. You can. And I would suggest doing it if your goal is a retirement type plan. Um, but you don't necessarily have to. And one of the one of the amazing pieces to the tax free retirement is the loan provision. So what that means is whenever you take a loan from your life insurance policy, they're going to charge you interest, right? Because it's a loan. Now right. you're going to take a let's just say four percent variable loan from your life insurance policy, and let's say that loan is twenty thousand of your one hundred thousand dollars you have sitting in this account. Okay, so the cool thing is, is they view these as two separate transactions. So let's assume the market does 8%. They're going to credit your entire $100,000, 8%, and then they're going to charge you 4% on the amount, that $20,000 loan that you have. So even though you have $20,000 of it out in your bank account, uh, paying for a car, or doing whatever you did with it, it's still got a net return of an additional 4%. On just that piece of what you borrowed. Yeah, on the, on the 20 to where the other 80 grew 8, that $20,000 loan that you have actually grew by 4. Wow. Yeah, so a lot of people don't realize, and that gets kind of complicated. I have to draw a lot of pictures when I'm explaining this to people, because it, and I'm sure it's going to be hard to understand over a podcast, but that definitely is one of the most impressive pieces about taking taking loans from these policies. No, it makes sense. So let me just recap that. You have 100000 in cash, 8% this year, boom. They credit your account. Now you got 108000 for the year 2020. Yes. And then you're like, well, yep. but I have a loan. I've got a $20,000 loan. So at 4%, and I've been paying that back every month. So uh, I lost 4% on 20000 because I had to reimburse myself. You know, I had to pay back that loan. No, actually, you gained 4%. Oh, yeah. on oh, oh, you only gained 4%. Right, because if you figure they're charging you 4%, but the market grew 8 so the difference between that, that 4% and the 8 is an additional 4 So you actually grew that $20,000 by 4%, and yeah, that's with that 4% okay, loan. I got you. Your, your entire account still grew 8%, but 20000 of it or whatever you borrowed, you know, that, that 20000 only grew because of 4 because you had to pay back 4 in, in Okay. Correct. Yeah. But in essence, your, your account still looks like it's supposed to. It's growing. Yeah, still looks good. See how yeah, that's Yeah, I can see that pretty quick. <laughs> yep. That's why I draw a lot of pictures. Looking at this, okay, so you have your kid. You bought a policy for them. You, you're the custodian of it. So technically, like if they die, great. Not, you know, not great, but you know, you're getting the cash value. Right. But at the same time, you could – can you still use it like kind of like your own and they never actually give it to them ever? Yeah, absolutely. I'm the, I'm the owner of the policy. So, so they have no, they have no rights to your policy because you bought it. Exactly. Yeah. Now they're the insured and how it goes with life insurance is you can get life insurance on anybody that you have, have an interest in. So an insurable interest in, so I can do it for my son, my wife, my mother-in-law, you know, somebody that you have an interest in keeping alive basically. But they don't actually get you the can, money. You, you get the money it. if they were to pass away. Exactly. Now, if they paid it for themselves, that's yep, different. Yeah, it's my account. Yeah. Now, if they were the owner, they could do whatever they wanted. And it's always transferable. So let's say uh, my son is, is very, very responsible 
graduates from college, I could just give it to him. You know, I could transfer ownership to him. He's now the owner and he would have all of that. Yeah. All the life insurance, all the cash value, everything would be. His. That's quite the gift. Yeah, absolutely. That's quite the gift. Yeah. We have a lot of grandparents that do it for their grandkids, parents who do it for their kids. So it's a, uh, it's a pretty popular way to save for college for sure. All right. So this is a funny question. It's kind of going into Justin's land now. Okay. So I'm 36. Okay. I'm 36. Right. You go get your blood work done. You're like, mm-hmm. huh, it's not quite what I was hoping for. And you, you find out your rates like, oh, well, we got to ding you for it. You're not out of the park yet. You can't, we, we can still insure you, but you're going to pay 20% more because mm-hmm. you got this high piece here. So you're going to, I'm sorry to say that, but you're going to, you're going to have to pay more, but you can still get it. And so you get that $500,000 policy. I don't know what that would cost. And you're like, dang. And then you start looking at your kid. My kid, they're healthy. They can get that same $500,000 policy for pennies. And it's my policy. Yep. And uh, the only the only difference would be the cash value is what you have. And if you died, you, you didn't help out your family. <laughs> you, you got this cash value for retirement. Yeah, exactly. But you didn't actually help your family because you died in a car yep. accident. Hey, people people do that, actually. So um, there's another term on top of be your own banker and infinite banking. They're now calling it family banking. Oh, my gosh. And that is exactly what you do is, you know, you have a you have a child and they're obviously very young and super healthy. Well, you can super fund a life insurance policy for them, put a ton of cash value into it and grow money that way. Um, Now, the rules of life insurance, your child can only have to what the the parents have. So if I only have a million dollars of insurance, well, that's the most my son's going to be able to get. So, but you can, you can max fund it that way. Oh, so if you don't even have life insurance, you can't just go and buy one for your kid. Right. Exactly. Yeah. At least one parent. And usually the breadwinner has to have life insurance in order to get it on your child as well. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. Now you're thinking <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. I was like, oh, that's a little, that's a little wrench in the plan right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, let's super fund the baby. Now, what does the word super funding mean? So with, with life insurance, there are, man, there's just a million ways that you can set these up to whether you want it to be funded to where the maximum amount of cash that you can grow inside of a life insurance policy due to you know federal law and things like that. You can set it up that way. You can set it up to where I don't care about the cash value. I just really want permanent life insurance. That's all I want. So then that would be a different premium amount. And then there's somewhere in the middle called target. And so there's, there's a hundred different ways you can set it up, but the safest way to set up a life insurance policy to where you don't want it to lapse is by putting as much cash value into it as, as you can. And so that's what we call max funding a life insurance policy. So does that mean like your premiums a hundred and you put 200 in it or just the way the premiums are set up in general? It's it's a confusing little math equation that the government has for us, because what happens is if you go over that limit, it then becomes what we call a MEC, uh, modified endowment contract. And so once it does that, it loses all of its tax free ability. And so we don't like that. And then like the 80 percent. I've seen the graphs like one graphs at, uh, you know, two inches high and the next one's at like one point, you know, seven, five of that that line. So as long as it doesn't cross over that barrier. Yeah based on like 80% or 90% of the value of the fund or something like that, then it's, you know, keep it below that. Or yeah, something. it happens. Yeah, there's a whole math equation with it. Yeah, but what's what's nice is the, the companies that we work with, they kind of take it out of our clients' hands and they say, okay, if, if your client sends in, I don't know, a check for 
twenty or thirty thousand dollars, but they'll only take twenty thousand. You know, they'll send back the other ten and say, "Hey, we don't want this to become a mech." Now, if, if you do, you can send it back to us, but we're just kind of protecting you. And, you know, most people don't want to do that, so they they take care of us. That's real interesting. So it's, it's based on what your value, what you, not your values, but what your goal is. Do you want cash value when you're mm-hmm. older, or do you just want coverage when you die? Yep. And that'll definitely. One will have a, like a, low, a much lower premium than the other is what I'm, I'm mm-hmm. gathering. Yeah, so um, just as kind of a – well, and it depends on the company and, and all of that. But easy rule of thumb is if you're max funding a life insurance policy, usually – or at least an indexed universal life policy, about one-third of it would go towards the insurance piece. And then about two-thirds of it would go into the cash value. I'd be remiss without asking – you do this plan that you're talking about, the one-third to two-third. Man, all of a sudden, you get into a financial crisis. Mm-hmm. You're like, crap, man, I don't have – I don't really have $500 to pay for this anymore. Like, I don't know what to do because I, I've been paying on it for 20 years. I still got another 12. But, like, right now, I'm about to go bankrupt. I don't have $500 for this life insurance policy. Are you out of luck? Can you use the cash value to pay for it? Can you just pay the that one-third and just kind of sacrifice that – that cash value for a while. Like yeah. And that's another reason why I like the universal life policies over the whole life. So with whole life, if you miss a payment, you know, they, they'll just cancel the whole life policy. And so now you're out. Of, yeah. Thanks. Now you're out of luck. But with the universal life policies, they're very, very flexible. And so as long as you have enough cash value in there to pay, like you said, that one third, you can take your, your contributions to it down to nothing if you want. And they'll just take that one third out of the cash value that you already have, or you can reduce it to kind of whatever you want, whatever's comfortable. I've had several clients use that. You know, that's why I like this for business owners is because as a business owner, you know, sometimes you have great years, sometimes you have some pretty lean years. And so in the great years, Hey, we want to put as much money into it as we can. And then in the lean years, if we can't afford to put anything into it, you don't have to. I've got a client who, for about two or three years, they funded it 100%. Well, over the last year, it hasn't been a good year. They haven't put another cent into it, and it's still rolling. So, But you do risk 10 years down the road. You don't really have any more cash in there, and now you come knocking, hey, man, you owe us 100 bucks this month, or your policy is going to lapse. Yeah. Like, it took 10 years. Right. Well, if it, take, if it takes 10 years, yeah, you might have other problems <laughs> than you know, funding that. But, uh, but yeah, so, so you're right. That is a risk. If, you know, if you have 10 straight bad years, then yeah, you could lapse your policy, but if you funded it well enough, and again, that's why I suggest max funding the policy is because if you do that, that puts a significant amount into that policy every single month. So it really reduces that chance of that ever happening. It's I know you can't do this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. (laughs) A real snowball range in money we're talking. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's even a, 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 um, a current setup. It's like 250, 500, 1 million. Is that sort of how it usually goes? Uh, well, actually, it kind of depends on how much. Uh, again, depends on somebody's goals. So if it's if it's cash value accumulation, then they might say, hey, my budget's $200 a month. Okay, well, then we would kind of go and see, all right, well, for that, you might get $150,000 of life insurance with it. You know, so we kind of we figure out the amount of, sh- of insurance on the back end because we want to maximize the cash growth. So realistically, then when we're oh because and because it's growing, I'm thinking, man, 150 thousand when you die, that's not really a, a life changing amount of money. It'll support your family for a few mm-hmm. years, but um, the whole point also is it's growing at eight percent a year. So when you retire, that one 
fifty might have a cash value of yeah, you'll probably four hundred. Yeah, something. if you're in your twenties and you start doing it, you're going to have way more than that that initial death benefit was for sure. And okay, so what happens there? You got half a million in cash value. Mm-hmm. Your life insurance policy was only one hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. They end up buying you more insurance to match that, or like when you pass, do you lose that five hundred, or you just get the one fifty? So that's. Um, Again, whole life insurance, what they'll do is they call it uh, what paid up additions. And so as you're as you get dividends, you can choose to buy more of the life insurance. And then that way, the life insurance amount increases with the universal life. You can do a an increasing death benefit so that every year some of your cash value does go to give you more and more life insurance. But again, it then becomes more and more expensive because you're paying for more and more of the life insurance. Uh. Or you can do a level death benefit to where the cost of the life insurance will stay the same. And, you know, you get to, if you have $500,000 of cash value, well, then that would be the, that would be the death benefit. Okay. So if you were to pass away, then you'd get the, the 500,000. Okay. Good, good, good. So, I was like, Man. Yeah, so yeah, you wouldn't only get the, the life insurance amount. Okay. I'm always, I'm always sketchy about some of these companies. Sometimes I'm always like, <laughs> they're not going to lose. They're not yeah. going to lose. So sometimes they're like, well, good luck. You know, you can't. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. you died because I didn't want to have to pay you back that all that cash value. That's just us for for me for me. Okay. Yeah. Good to be looking out. Any other risks that we might have missed? Um, you know, as long as you as long as you have somebody that an agent who sticks with you and does a an annual review with you at least, either if it's every six months or every year, you really need that. Um, the the life insurance industry kind of has a bad name for people who sell a life insurance policy and then you never, ever hear from them again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, that's just it's it's so common out there. Um, so you really want to find somebody who's going to stick with you for the long term through this, because, you know, like you said, what if something happens like the market goes down 10 straight years? Well, what happens in that case? Well, you might want to ask a professional about it. Or what happens if I take out a big loan and I start getting letters and what happens if this and that? Uh, you're going to want to ask somebody those questions because the average person is not going to know how to read an entire life insurance policy and figure that out. Yeah, so if, you, if you're going to do something like this, you definitely want to trust, number one, the company that you're doing business with. You want to make sure they're a well-rated company. And then probably the most important piece is that the, the agent that you work with you got to make sure that they're going to be in it with you for the long haul and not just, hey, buy this, and then you never hear from them again. And also, you got to look at, I think, uh, what's the Roth max these years right now? Uh, 5,500 and then 6,500 if you're over 50. So for a family of two, for two people, that's 11,000. Mm-hmm. So like if you had only $11,000 to invest or let's say 12,000 or something, the percentage mm-hmm. of that should go to some kind of life insurance and then the rest of that would go to your 401k, your Roth or whatever. Like it's a piece of your financial budget. It's not like I do all of this and if I have any left over, then I'll buy the life insurance. It should be part of your package of your total. Absolutely. Well, and that's why, and again, the, the reason we use the company that we use is, you know, everybody usually thinks of life insurance as, well, if I die, right, somebody, my beneficiaries get a big lump sum of money. Well, we work with uh, companies that use living benefits, and most people have never heard of that. A lot of times when I say living benefits, they think of permanent life insurance policies that they could use use their cash value for. But what the living benefits are, they're part of term or permanent, and it's built into the death benefit. So 
if you ever get sick, you can actually use your life insurance to help pay bills. So if you ever have a, a terminal illness, a, uh, a critical illness like heart attack, stroke, cancer, or a chronic illness, which is very similar to a long-term care type situation, like you can't meet two of the six activities of daily living, you know, feeding yourself, bathing yourself, things like that, uh, then you can use your life insurance and they will pay you directly for that. And I wanted to bring that up because we have several, several doctors and, you know, groups of physicians who really love these living benefits because they see it every single day. Uh, they see how much the medical costs are for, you know, a long-term care type situation or even heart attacks and strokes. And, you know, if your life insurance just already covered that, you know, that takes a whole another product that you're probably already spending money on right off the table. Mm, so instead of coming to come up with 30 grand a year for your ongoing nursing care, because you can't feed yourself and take baths, your policy would kick in and pay for that for however long it takes, you know. To... Exactly. That's great. I remember seeing that a long time ago. Uh, I asked the last guy, I think he wasn't really, I don't know. We, we were talking about so many things. It was hard to get that answer. So I'm glad you actually brought that up and made it super clear about that. Well, and, you know, our company, we focus more on more on the money piece than just life insurance. But, you know, the number one cause of bankruptcies nowadays, the number one cause of foreclosures and small business failures is all somebody getting sick. It's not that somebody passed away. It's just that they got sick. You know, they might not be able to work for six months, 24 months. And where do where does anybody have a large chunk of money to you know pay their bills if they can't work for a year? Well, the number one number one answer is their four hundred one k, you know. Yeah, and that's when people get take all those penalties. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't take long to go through a hundred thousand dollars if you're not working and have to take it out of your retirement accounts. And you lose thirty percent up front. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a guy that we're gonna I interviewed. He'll be, I think, after you or one or two after you. He had two twins, and they have a muscular dystrophy issue mm -hmm. that's gonna cost seventy grand in like physical therapy every year. Oh wow! For next foreseeable future and he's like yeah that wasn't part of the plan and he didn't really say that but he's just like yeah it's i had money but now like my goodness like how am i supposed to afford that every year so that they can walk one day yeah the uh you know when when we talk about life insurance on kids it's kind of a weird weird subject because nobody ever wants to think about anything ever happening to their kids you know my brother died oh really it was something that yeah my brother died when we were in high school so it was one of those my parents were glad they had a little policy because it was able to cover the funeral costs. And then it covered some things that me, you know, me and my other brother, we were looking to do as a, in high school and kind of in college. And so they're like, yeah, we have this extra sad cash if you want to call it. But sure. it was able to fund some of the things that we needed to fund during those years. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, um, we, being, being in this industry for, for a while now, you know, I've heard, I've heard plenty of stories, unfortunately of, you know, kids being only one, two or three years old and developing something like, you know, ALS or muscular dystrophy or something like that. And, you know, the, the living benefits would cover that, you know, if you needed all of that help and medical assistance and things like that, that's something that would be taken care of for you. And like I said, it's a it's a weird subject to talk about just because nobody ever wants to think about it. But, you know, it's a nice thing to plan for just in case. And like I said, it's pretty cheap. Oh, yeah. You know, to get a $25,000 policy on your kid. We're not talking you got to get a million policy for your kid or anything. But just to cover, like a, a funeral is 10, 10 to 12 grand right there. Yep. And that's a lot of money just to come up with. And plus, you're devastated at that point. Yeah. Well, and yeah. And that's a conversation I have with a lot of dads. 
you know, as they say, oh, I'm the breadwinner. If something happens, I, you know, they don't need any life insurance, you know, on their wife or kids or anything. And I'm like, uh, I can only imagine if something happened to my wife or my, my kid, you know, I have a feeling I wouldn't be emotionally ready to just jump right back into work. That's pretty uh, devastating thing. So. Yeah, yeah, I was telling my wife about that too. I was like, "Yeah, you should get a policy." I was like, no, you need a policy too. Like, you like to go hiking and climb twenty thousand foot mountains. I was like, "You never know." Yeah, you just never know. And I was like, "That'd be nice to you know not just be worried about Justin having to, like how much we'll take care of this kid." Sure. Yeah. <laughs> by myself and work. Yeah. That's a lot of money on uh, childcare that you wouldn't have had to spend potentially. You know, if your wife didn't yeah. work. Well, and wouldn't it be nice to not have to concentrate on that at all? Like if money was a, was an afterthought and you could just concentrate on taking care of what you needed to, that'd be nice. Absolutely. Yeah. I would like to end the interview with a little more lighthearted and what about Trevor? You're, you're married. Yes. You also have your own business. Yep. How are you able to take more vacations and also keep that love alive in your relationship? Sure. Hmm. Well, I mean. You just went drive Ferraris. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that was a family vacation yeah. or it was on Facebook. This guy was, he was first place, y'all. He was like. He was going fast. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a pretty incredible experience. Um, but that, that's kind of the nice thing about our industry is, you know, we do get to go on a lot of vacations. Uh, we have a pretty generous CEO for our company who pays for us to go on a lot of trips. And our company is very family oriented. And so, you know, when, when I succeed in our company, my wife is always named on any awards or anything else that we get and any trips that we go on, she comes. So that's really nice. We get to travel a lot. And so, you know, honestly, we, we haven't traveled a whole heck of a lot other than with my, with work. Uh, you know, we drive down to, we drive down to Texas or we don't drive, we fly down to Texas and visit some friends down there and just kind of enjoy friends and, and things like that. But uh, you know, I think the thing that keeps me and my wife kind of together is just our sense of humor. She's kind of a goofball and, and I am too. And <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we, uh, I don't know, we're just always laughing with each other and, and having a good time. So we try not to take our ourselves too seriously and, uh, just enjoy life when we can. Any hobbies? I think you're a golfer, oh, right? I love golf. Yeah. If I could do that every day, I'd, I'd be even happier. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, I've sourced shirts like you're wearing right uh -huh. now. It's got like holes in it and everything. <laughs> Some of these places, uh -huh. these are like custom fabrics. Like you can get it with just those big holes uh -huh. in them, but it's the whole shirt and then it doesn't look good. Oh, yeah. I've, just, I've, been, I've been sourcing things in, uh, on, uh, in these China websites. I'm like, hmm. I'm like, can I get some samples? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I'm always kind of thinking about something like... Because sometimes, you know, as a, as a chiropractor and different things, you want to give away some swag or like a podcast swag shirt or something like that. And I was like, I don't want to just give some dumb beefy tea that's trash. Sure. I want something that's going to be like, I'll wear it despite your logo because it's such an amazing Absolutely. Shirt. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny is one of the shirts that I wear, well, I wear it a lot to the gym, is actually a Five Rings Financial shirt. And it's a tie-dye shirt. But it is so comfortable, and it says "Keep Five Rings Awesome" just all across the front. I mean, all you see is big old oh letters. Oh gosh! I'm like, this shirt is great, and <laughs> so I wear it all the time. <laughs> when I go to the gym, so I uh, I hear oh, you. Oh man! <laughs> uh, last fun question. We like to wrap it up here. Is any books or podcasts that you definitely would recommend for other people? Oh man! Whether I... it's on the topic we're talking about or just in life. Sure, man. I read a lot of books. Uh, which I never thought I would ever say, you know, before, <laughs> before I joined our company and I graduated college, I think I had told myself I'd never read another book. Um, but that was pretty, pretty ignorant statement. 
you just didn't find what you liked yet. Yeah, you know, and that's probably right. Well, as far as business goes, there's a there's a book pretty much all about these indexed accounts and things like that by Tony Robbins. It's called Money Master the Game. Oh, that's what he talks about. Yeah, and he uh, he interviews the top, I think it's fifty or one hundred money managers in the in the country, and kind of asks them what can Middle America do, and they talk about these indexed accounts. So. So it's a pretty cool book. It's a long read. And so I don't know if you want to read that or not, but it's a good book as far. But other than business wise, my favorite one, I really like those John Gordon books. Have you ever read anything by him? No. What's the name one? The Energy Bus is probably my favorite. And they're just these short little parables, really easy to read, but they really relate to, you know, personal life, business, things like that. Just making sure uh, the energy bus is all about making sure you have the right people on the bus, the right people on your team, the right people in your life to you know help you move forward and, and be positive and things like that. And don't have uh, energy vampires and people who bring you down in your life all the time. So uh, I really like that oh, book. bus, like a yellow bus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought I heard bust like no. you went bankrupt bust. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> energy bust. I was like, all right. That's interesting. <laughs> I no. thought it was sci-fi for a second. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very different book. Randomness. Sure. Game of Thrones the finale was like the other day, and I don't watch Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you watch it or not. I sure do. Weren't they books? Everybody's like, I can't believe. I thought they were a book. Well, so they went off the book for like one or two seasons, and then after that, they started doing their own thing. So Okay. Yeah. That's why everybody's shocked by the way it ended. I was like, guys, pick up a book. I could have <laughs> like told you how Lord of the Rings ends. Yeah. But I didn't want to read them. I wanted to watch it and see how it is. I wanted to do the suspense. Yep. Yep. That's why. Okay. Yeah, because, uh, well, since you don't watch it, but one of the biggest characters is Jon Snow. And I guess he died like three or four books ago, but he still made it to the final deal. So uh, I watched a YouTube video and did like a 30 or 40 minute recap of the entire seven seasons. Oh, did you? So, yeah, that's how I watched game. I was like, oh, that's what this is all about. I was like, wow, this is really complicated. Yeah, oh, man. And there's only one season left. I'll just watch a 30-minute recap later and just be, I'll know what happened. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> Pop culture. I didn't start watching until, I think, season three. Um, I had a buddy who was like, you haven't seen it? And I said, no. And he's like, well, you need to come over and at least just watch one episode. So I said, okay. So I watched the first episode, and I was hooked. And it is it is such a good series just because i don't know i i feel like i'm pretty good at guessing when somebody's you know going to get killed off or what's going to happen in a movie and just everything's so predictable nowadays and with game of thrones man they keep you on your toes you the the number one guy the main character he could get killed any second so you have no idea wow yeah it's one of the recaps they're like oh he got his head cut off (laughs) nobody saw that coming and everybody's like what i was like oh that must have been a suspenseful part if you cared about this yeah yeah pretty much man it's a random way to end this episode (laughs) (laughs) a show i don't care about it a show that was like really popular yeah well hey at least you can binge watch everybody knows what time of the year it was watched yeah exactly everybody knows I pre-record episodes, so you can put the two two together when you actually show up in the live uh, podcast here. Awesome. So, okay, last piece is how do we get in touch with you? Yeah, on uh, Instagram, I'm a Safe Money Coach and Safe Money Coach, Safe Money Coach. Yep, and on Facebook, same Safe Money Coach. You can uh, email me at Trevor at FiveRingsFinancial.com. Is that the number or the word uh, spelled out five? Five rings. Yep, financial. Uh, phone number's up to you, buddy. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, 
428-5434. And good news is all this will be in the show notes page. We're going to have a dedicated note just for you. Okay. And as of the last probably two or three months now, transcripts. So the whole thing will be transcribed so we can hear all about what he had to say and you can read it if you just don't like his voice. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. But uh, it is transcribed. So, man, I really appreciate the amount of time you gave and made it all, I think, clear, pretty clear enough to where it's like, okay, I was confused. Now I know. And now I need to call somebody, whether it's you or you know how it sure. is. You got to at least open it up for everybody to to take care of that life insurance policy and do it in a way that can actually benefit you now and in retirement. So I really appreciate your time today. Well, thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, I've never done a podcast before. And uh, yeah, this was a great time. Another great interview has ended. As I always say, I hope you listened, critically think, and implement something so that your practice life, family life can improve this week. I want to hit you up with a few links today. If you'd like to know what the top episodes of 2018 and 2017 were, you can just go to .net slash top1718 and you can get a PDF of all those episodes. There's like 22 of them. If you're interested on any of the programs that I've actually been interviewed on, just go to .net slash as heard on. So play on as, as seen on, you know, so as heard on. If you didn't know, the Needless Acupuncture book sales page has been revamped. So it looks a lot better. You know, sometimes when you look at a web page and it doesn't look like it's put together well, you're like, man, I'm not sure about this thing. But it's been redone. looks better. And also, if you have an Android device and you're curious about it, you can actually now download the same five protocols, blueprints, if you will right there on your phone at the Needless Acupuncture app. And for less than $4, you can get the whole book on your phone from the Android Google Play store. So if you're interested, check that out. The electric acupuncture pen is still available at a great rate. You can get it on its own or as a package. So you can get the book, the e-pen, as well as the auricular points. Now, some of the things that I'm recommending, Blueberry Hosting, that's who I use. I really like them a lot. I'm not going to lie to you. Fiverr is where I get a lot of my music done, my logos. I don't know if you noticed on Facebook, I believe my picture is now a face with a bunch of words. I just saw that real quick. It was cheap. Yeah, why not? I'll try that for a little while. It's fun. A turtle pillow. It's a travel pillow. It actually has like an H beam in it. So you can rest your neck and your chin on that. So you don't get like the chicken bob where you, you know, you're sleeping and you wake up really fast. And you know, those those U-shaped ones, I just don't think they work very well. So for me, it's worked really well. I've traveled 10 different countries with it. Across the pond, as they say. I uh, really highly recommend that. If you're into instrument-assisted soft tissue manipulation, two options. You got Hawk Grips, so .NET slash Hawk Grips, and also .NET slash Edge. And you can get tools there as well. But they also have way more than just tools. They've got how to get to use Google Apps as your EMR. Uh, blood flow restriction cuffs. There's a lot of research on that device. And you can check that episode from the past. And you can get an automatic 10% discount on all the products from the edge mobility equipment. Uh, one of the devices I use to to send out snippets of the podcast via picture and uh, quotes from the text that I write from the show notes is Missing Letter. They just took out the last E in letter.com. Pretty much, you know, you can do a blast in, in two months, you know, like five emails over two months. I like to do nine emails over 12 months. So that person who was interviewed last month doesn't just get lost, right? You know, so every day I have a new episode at a highlight and it's all automated. It's really cool. Definitely check it out. Uh, if you need to record your screen, I like Screencast-O-Matic. Also, JLab Audio Speakers. I've said it before. I love them. Uh, it's a great company. And now I get to actually be an affiliate for them. So if you end up buying any of their products, just like any of these, I get a little piece. I uh, probably have like three or four different products. I mean, they just the battery lives are longer. The sounds quality is amazing. Uh, and for the price, it came. Love it a bunch. And of course, in the show notes, anytime you see a book link, you buy it, it comes to me. 
and .net slash t-shirts will help us out. And lastly, again, something I don't talk about too much, but if you need coaching, whether it's via the Today's Choices, Tomorrow's Health, you need some help with taking those small steps and accountability so that you can actually lose the weight or start exercising more or get your budget in order, just let me know. I can help with that. Also, if you just need some minor marketing coaching or things like that, I can help you out with that as well. Just go to .net slash support. And of course, on there, you can also buy the host a cup of coffee or uh, even more than that. There's different options available. So. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week or on the mini-sode. We just went hashtag behind the curtain. I hope you will listen and integrate what some of these guests have said. By all means, please share across your social media, write a review, and if you go to the show notes page, you can find all the references for today's guests. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.